What up, everybody, and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, the Boston Celtics just completed the sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. Are you serious? Then there's officially a changing of the guard in the NBA. We must discuss who now will hold the crown of the NBA at the end of this season. And then lastly, this is your yearly reminder, your PSA that Doc Rivers is overrated. And then we're doing a full NFL first round mock draft. Buckle up. It is a loaded pod. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Guest, with me out in Las Vegas. Ready for draft week is Matt Morris. What's up, buddy? Is it buzzing out there right now? Yeah, man. City's uh, coming to life today. Again, was kind of that middle day. I think people are starting to arrive tomorrow, uh, especially the front office GMs, you know, ownership stakes that are coming out here. Players, I think they'll be here by Wednesday. Yep. But man, it is exciting. 500,000 people expected. So, you know, Vegas Damn. needs it. We're ready for it. That's sick. Yeah. And it's going, um, it, everything's just going on at the Bellagio, right? Like the whole setup is, is, is right there downtown on Las Vegas Boulevard. Have they officially blocked the streets off yet? Or do you expect that come on Wednesday night? Yeah, we had a, like a, a mass message from, um, our corporate email saying, you know, be prepared for road closures, but that'll be deeper into the week. You just can't shut down the strip yet. You know, there's too much. Yeah, it's too early. To- has to operate. I'm guessing that they'll wait as long as they can, but it's going to be a huge event. I think they're shutting it down from Thursday until Saturday. Because again, as we get to Saturday, Saturday, yeah. it's going to be day drafts Friday, Saturday, the second, third, fourth, and fifth round. Like people tend to not give as much of a crap like we do because we're huge sports fans. But um, but yeah, man, big time for this. Yeah. Team. No, that's cool. Um, I'm super excited. You and I, for first time listeners or long time listeners, we're about to get into our mock draft for the entire first round. But first, we got to get into the wild, wild end of the Brooklyn Nets season. So, Matt, here we are. Um, I'm more shocked than you are, but we're recording this here. It is April 25th, Wednesday, or excuse me, Monday night. And the Brooklyn Nets have just been swept by the Boston Celtics. They're on their way home. They're packing their bags. I was just telling you before we hit record, I did pick them to win. I'm not surprised they lost. I am definitely surprised they were swept. So definitely want to dive into why, how, what we think happened. For me personally, and the internet's going crazy, and they'll probably go crazy over this, is I don't 100% blame Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, did Kyrie not necessarily hold up his end of the bargain the last three games? 100%. But I think it just goes to show that basketball is a lot deeper than just having two ridiculously talented guys. Boston was the better team all four games. They had Brooklyn's number. They were out coaching Brooklyn. They were out playing and out scheming them. They had Kevin Durant's number. I've never seen KD struggle like that, ever, honestly. He was getting double-teamed, triple-teamed on his ass, put him on the floor, fouling him hard, 
making everything difficult. For the first time, it looked like Kevin Durant wasn't playing basketball. He was thinking out there. Whenever you're thinking, that's always an issue. And I tip my cap, and I think people need to start really giving Boston their flowers a little bit more rather than just dumping on KD and Kyrie Irving, right? Like, I get the legacy game. And the reason I didn't think their legacy was as much on the line as you is they've won it before. Yeah, maybe was this their first time as their team, right? And that's why people are dumping on them so much. Sure. But at the end of the day, they had no chemistry. Their third best guy was Goran Dragic out there. They have no young legs. They have no defense. I said it on a couple pods ago. KD has their biggest inside threat as far as defense goes. That is not the recipe for success. Boston knew it. They capitalized on it. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford outplayed them four straight nights. And they deserve all the credit in the world. And I think some of the blame needs to go on Steve Nash and take a little bit of the heat off Katie and Kyrie. They did what they could. More specifically, Kevin Durant did what he could out there. Kyrie definitely looked like he didn't want to be there tonight, which was disappointing. Well, we'll take this back to when we analyzed the trade for Ben Simmons and James Harden. I said to you, unequivocally, I thought Boston, excuse me, I thought Brooklyn won this trade. I was dead wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked on the phone about how, you know, Harden would have at least won him a game. But let's scale this back even before that trade. This is the big issue I have in the NBA. It's also a big issue I have in pro sports. Mainly happens in the NBA. When you don't think the regular season matters at all, and all you think to yourself is, hey, if we're healthy going into the playoffs, we'll figure it out. You're right. screwed. They did it last year. They did it this year. I mean, there were injuries last year and this year. I get that, right? Regular season. It's about building momentum in this league. And look at what Boston did at the end of the season. They built that momentum. They came into the playoffs hot. They came in confident. They won game one and looked good. But when they won game two, it was over. I think Brooklyn folded. I think they said, hey, like we just don't have the legs under us. We don't have the chemistry around us. Like We just aren't hitting our shots. Well, you don't, you don't have that team mentality when you're not playing like it's a playoff game in the regular season, preparing yourself for what it's going to be like when you go up against another good slash hot team. Yeah. So I put this on the superstars for the simple fact that it's mentality-based. You have to want to win. You have to want to win a building culture. And they didn't do that. They didn't build that culture in Brooklyn. They just thought, let's team up. No one will beat us. Milwaukee built that culture. Golden State built that culture. Boston has finally built that culture and seen it succeed, right? Because they have been building for how many years now? When you build the culture, you have continuous success and you're held accountable. Boston's playing at a level that I haven't seen before. And it just goes to show you again, the homegrown talent, the age of the super team, it's dead. The homegrown talent has really pushed forward as this is how you win in the NBA. And I'm very, very happy for the Celtics. It's going to be a very tough matchup for the Bucs. To finish it off for Brooklyn, you know, I think you stay together. You come back next year and you do everything you can to take the regular season seriously while also trying to monitor your health. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you you lick your wounds, you take the heat, and you do, re, do a rebuild and build around guys like Nick Claxton, build around guys like Bruce Brown. Stop trading for Andre Drummond. Stop picking up Goran Dragic, Blake Griffin, all nice players. But those are not the guys you need coming down the stretch to win you a basketball game, man. Those are not the guys when KD's getting doubled and triple teamed that you need to pass out to and hope and pray that they make the right move and play. They're done. They're past their prime. Now, Kevin Durant, I think I saw he's in his 15th, 16th season, which is really crazy. 
Um, I may be off by a year or two there, but his window's closing here. And, you know, that that's where I put some of this blame on Kyrie Irving. He, you even saw the video of him showing up to the facility tonight. He looked defeated showing up. And I think, you know, I don't necessarily agree with Stephen A all the time. Matt. I don't know. I don't know if you saw his take, but he's 100% right about Kyrie. There's no one on the planet, no pro athlete on the planet who doesn't show up to work the way Kyrie doesn't show up to work. And if you don't want it, you're never going to help a guy like KD succeed in his greatness. We all wanted to see, I, maybe I shouldn't say we, I wanted to see Kevin Durant do it on his own. I want to see guys like James Harden go out there and be somebody, right? I'm in on these star players. And to see them bow out without a win against Boston is is devastating to me as a basketball fan. It, it's unacceptable that they couldn't win one game against the Boston Celtics. And they got a lot of soul searching to do. I think Steve Nash needs to be fired tomorrow. He's a god-awful coach. Terrible coach. Horrible. They need to go out Get someone who's been established in the league. Get a nice young coach. Someone that can bond with the younger players, but also coach a more veteran presence like KD and Kyrie Irving and go out there and play team basketball. You hit the nail on the head with that. Well, and you also talked about kind of getting younger there with Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton, first overall pick of the second round, right? And we talked about this a little bit before we started today, and it was something I want to emphasize. These super teams shredded their future draft picks with the idea of bringing in one singular superstar or multiple superstars. If you look at the 2019 NFL uh, NBA draft, you look at the last three picks, Jordan Poole, Golden State Warriors, hmm, turning into a superstar, right? Kendall Johnson for San Antonio, very good player, could very well be an all-star in the next two, three, four years. And then you have Kevin Porter Jr., who Milwaukee took, then was traded to Houston. Very good score, raw, I think will turn into also probably a potential all-star. But yet, you know what? These big super teams, screw the draft picks. Just give them away. And now you look at this roster that Brooklyn created. The average the age has got to be like 34. They, the yeah. Lakers, 38. Like Same You have deal, no yeah. youth. And then you look at the Warriors. An older team kind of entering the final years of their prime. But oh, wait, Jordan Poole, here he is, 20, 23 years old, ready to take over the reins ready to be there with fresh legs in the third and fourth quarter and put up buckets and score at will when he's needed because he has his superstars around him. These teams that just handed over draft picks, this is what you get when you give away four years of first-round picks. Guys like this at the end of the first round that can have huge dividends two, three, four years later when you develop them around superstars, it's really sickening to see from a general manager's perspective how mismanaged some of these teams were. Just to finish it off, you talked about you know them staying in Brooklyn, Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant. I would just love to see one of these big-time superstars say, you know what, I see where the NBA is trending. I'm going to go, I'm going to actually sign with the Thunder because they've got 4,000 <laughs> draft picks over the next three years. And I'm going to teach these kids and I'm going to develop a team with these guys and we're going to be great for the next seven years. You know, we're going to, we're going to be unbeatable because we're going to develop the talent around us as opposed to, well, let's go to uh, Brooklyn who doesn't have the roster set for us as it is. And we'll trade away all the assets. It's just really disheartening. And um, I'm interested to also see how it affects the Milwaukee Bucks because they've given up a lot of first round picks. And once you get past this year and possibly the 2023 season, once that age catches up, catches up to you, you know, you've got to really leverage those second round picks. And Nick Claxton for Brooklyn was definitely a leverage pick. He's a good player and will be a better player. But you you can't rely on second-round picks. you got to capitalize on the end of the first round. 
The other thing I want to talk about with Brooklyn getting eliminated here is I do think we finally crossed over here in the NBA to a, a full-blown changing of the guard at the top, right? For the longest time, us growing up here, it was Kobe's league, right? Some people tried to say it was LeBron's league. It was Kobe's fucking league, okay? It was Kobe Bryant passed the torch to LeBron James, right? LeBron went on his run. I necessarily don't think he passed it to Steph, but I think once KD came over, it was kind of, you know, LeBron's still, it's still his league. You got Steph Curry, you got Kevin Durant, right? You have a lot of these superstars here in the NBA, whereas now those guys are are off in the twilight of their career. Like I said, KD's up in the teens as far as his years in the league. LeBron is in Cancun drinking, having a good time. He's on his way to retirement. And Steph Curry's definitely on the back nine of his career as well, a little bit younger than these guys, but still. And now we're finally seeing the future of the league put their stamp and their mark on their legacy in, you know, I who's going to take the crown of being the best player in the league or who's going to be the face of the NBA now. And I think we're finally starting to see that. It started last year with Giannis winning the championship and the young gun Phoenix Suns, Aiton, obviously Devin Booker with the older savvy veteran Chris Paul now coming into the forefront where you're like, ah, oh, maybe this is a mistake. We're going to pick Brooklyn and the Lakers preseason because it's KD, it's LeBron. They're going to get us there, right? Like these are our teams in the NBA. Not anymore, Matt. I wrote down some of my favorite, you know, matchups that we're going to be looking at, Matt, for the next five, six, seven eight years in the NBA, and it's it's highlighted in the Eastern Conference by Jason Tatum and Giannis. Jason Tatum is 24 years old. 24. That's it. Feels like the dude's been in the league for eight years already, right? Um, he's just coming to his own. His body's finally matured enough where he's big enough, strong enough, tough enough to go inside with that awesome outside game and his upper, above-average, elite defensive ability that he showed this series in Brooklyn, against Brooklyn. Obviously, we've seen what the Greek freak can do. He's arguably the best player in the league. You've got Luka versus Devin Booker. You've got the really, really young guns, John Morant versus Anthony Edwards. Obviously, you have the center battle between Joker and Embiid. And then that's not to mention, Matt, all these other blossoming superstars coming out here in this round of the NBA playoffs, highlighted by Brandon Ingram, right? Still in his mid-20s as well, who everyone kind of gave up on because he was fucking 18 years old when he came to the league, right? finally growing into himself, not to mention Desmond Bain as well for Memphis, and then Tyrese Maxey, Pascal Siakam, and the Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes. Where I'm going with all this is the league is in great hands. The question now is, who's going to take the reins? Who is going to grab the crown and say, this is my league now? Everything runs through me. When we talk about who's going to be winning the championship every year, the conversation starts with me because we've moved on from LeBron and Kevin Durant. I personally now think that goes between Steph Curry, Giannis, and we'll see this year, but Jason Tatum might be right there on that list too. Well, and I hope it's no one, to be honest with you. I hope that we get away from the Jordan era, the Kobe era, the LeBron era, the Durant era where, hey, we it's got six. in basketball though. It is, but we right now have six teams that could win a championship, right? I mean, you look at the overall landscape of the NBA, there isn't one singular team where you're like, well, oh my God, they have Wade, LeBron, and Bosch, right? Or it's Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond, and Steph. Yeah. yeah. And like that's 
that's what I want to watch, right? Because <laughs> yeah. because if you look at all the other landscapes of of sports, it's always like, okay, you got four really good teams, and like out of the four teams, it's hard to pick who the favorite is. Right. Last couple of years in baseball, it's been the, the Dodgers. Last year was definitely the Chiefs or the Rams, right? The like. You, well, you let me let favorites. me interject here just just a bit too because I think why I said it's different in basketball is because basketball really is about the player. The f- five dudes are on the field, right? Unlike football is eleven, baseball is nine. Whereas I think in football, when we're thinking, uh, okay, who are we going to pick for the for the for the Super Bowl this year? One of the top three quarterbacks, right? Like that's kind of where we're going to go down. Do they have a good roster? Baseball, it's not necessarily the best pitcher, the best hitter. It's like who the fuck has the most money. Right? Mm. And, and for the past five, six years, it's been the Dodgers, right? Maybe they haven't won all the way, but we've talked about them and they're, dude, they just buy everybody. They have the best team in the planet because they're just like, yeah, we have more money than well, not Elon Musk, but everyone but Elon Musk, right? So uh, sorry to interrupt, but that's why I just thought as well. Like, I think that's what makes the NBA a little bit unique because it is super player centric. It is player centric. But with that being said, right? Like, we looked at LA and Brooklyn as our favorites this year because it's player centric. Yeah. Who's out of the playoffs? Yeah. Both of them. Zero right? playoff wins, yeah. And if we were to really be honest a month ago, talking about Boston upsetting Milwaukee in the second round, we're like, eh, they could do it, but it's going to be really tough. Now yeah. I'm expecting it because yeah. we have the emergence of Tatum. But it's not just Jason Tatum. It's Marcus Smart. It's Jalen Brown. You know, it's Al Horford. It's right. everyone on the team. So while it's player centric, I also feel like basketball right now, as it stands, is the most advantageous team game I have ever seen in the NBA. Right? It, you got to have a good team because if you don't have a good team, that one singular player, that that second player, isn't enough. We literally just saw that with Brooklyn. Yeah. So if we can continue this kind of a landscape for the NBA over the next three, four years, it's going to be a much more enjoyable sport. It's going to be a much more marketable sport because you're going to start to have fan bases realize, hey, we don't need to worry about Kevin Durant leaving in the offseason and going over and signing with you know the Houston Rockets because James Harden's there. And oh, God, they'll be unbeatable. That's what we thought Brooklyn was going to be. Unstoppable. They didn't win a championship. Two years in now, they've broken up part of their roster already. They've acquired a cancerous cell in Ben Simmons, and here they are going home. So in regards to who who wears the crown, I don't think anyone as it stands today wears that crown. It may change. If Giannis wins another championship, it has to rightfully go to him. All right, the last thing I want to bring up about the games tonight, at least, because we'll be recording in a couple of days, so we'll break down um, some more of, of this NBA playoffs. Hopefully, a couple more series are over by the time we record next time. But this is this is what I I couldn't I couldn't get on the mic tonight, and not roast Doc Rivers. So, and and I think this is also the the. I'm not even a Philly fan, but the Homer in me trying to like will this James Harden and Embiid thing because I I was so high on it when it happened. But this is our annual reminder that Doc Rivers isn't that good of a coach. Okay, I I know that sounds fucked up, but it's true. He has he has no success when it comes to these massive must win games. Oh, but Matt, he won a title. He didn't need to coach those guys. All he needed to do was manage them and not have them get suspended or hurt themselves in the locker room and be cancers. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Ray John Rondo. These dudes were 
Hall of Famers, okay? They were all veterans, minus Rondo at the time. He didn't coach them to win, in my opinion. And I have stats to back this up. So, now, in Doc Rivers' career, including tonight, he is 15-31. and 31. Once again, 15-31 and 31 in closeout games as a head coach in the NBA. He's obviously 0-2 already this season. They're flying back to Toronto tomorrow. Why? Why are they flying back to Toronto? This series should have been over last week. And they're fucking around, not playing hard defense. They're, they look like they should already just have this in the bag. They're going through the motions out there. Toronto's playing like a team that's, you know, not trying to go on vacation yet. And they go and lose by like 15 tonight in, in Philadelphia in front of their home crowd. And they got to go back to what do they call it out there? Jurassic Park in Toronto. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be rocking, dude. It's not going to be an easy win. And if they fuck around and go seven, they may lose. And is this guy really going to lose four straight closeout games in the first round with James Harden and Joel Embiid? Matt, I swear to God, if he does, I- I'm going to go nuts on here. But I-, I just need to let the listeners know, like, jump on the train here. Realize what you're seeing. Doc Rivers is overrated. And he's a big reason why he was never successful in L.A. with Lob City, with Kawhi, with PG. The list goes on. He's not a good coach. Well, and it's interesting, too, because when you look at the Harden acquisition, there was immediate reports after the acquisition that Harden was interested in bringing in D'Antoni. And it's like, well, that's not happening, right? <laughs> yeah. Doc is that's here. That's also like, not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, agreed, agreed, right? But I'm wondering if Harden has the same lens of perspective. Like, ah, oh, damn, I got to play with Doc. Like, look at his track record, you know? Because you're right. But Boston, no. That was a veteran-led team. Kevin Garnett was the coach, right? Like anything in the locker room goes down. K- the accountability gra- the players yeah. were just next level at that the point. Next level. They, they were looking for that title. So you got to strip that success away and then look at Lob City and the faltering that was that team. I think a lot of that had to do with coaching. Very similar eerie reminder of like NFL and the Chargers. You know, you have that much talent over <laughs> a course of a period of time. And you're yeah. like, just, how did you not get it done? Um, but yeah, he if he loses this series... He's out. No questions asked. He has to be. Has to be out. But not only is he out, he's going to have to go. If he wants to coach in this league again, he's going to have to go to a young team. And I think that's where he belongs at this point in his career. You've proven you can't win with the veterans. You've proven that you can't manage these personalities as well as you used to. And I I think it's time that if the Sixers want to continue their success moving forward, they want to keep James in town and pair him with Embiid for a long time. You're going to have to bring in a guy that both of those players like. And if you get knocked out of the first round this season, they're not going to like Doc. Uh, the last thing I just want to say is I'm really curious to see how Embiid's thumb injury is going to affect the rest of the playoffs. For sure. Um, you know, that's that's kind of, to me, like Middleton's uh, knee. Like, sure, he can be out there more than Middleton can, but, like, it's going to affect the way he plays basketball. And you're going to have to go up against the Heat. You're going to have to go up against the Bucks or the Celtics. Like that's this isn't these yeah, are they're teams, gonna bang you they're yeah. gonna bang you and these also aren't teams that you can be laxed on defense right they need every Correct. bit of Joel Embiid to make up for what James Harden is lacking on the defensive <laughs> end it's not a knock it's just the truth at this point I know, right I know. he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not elite um, so yeah the thumb injury really concerning to me and if they lose at the next game man game seven with an injured Embiid it's gonna be like blood and water the Raptors are gonna have them right where they want them, right? It's going to have to be a full-scale attack. 
But as far as Doc Rivers, man, honestly, even if they win this series, I think he's fired. I think he's out. I, I would not be surprised to see him out of Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's just hilarious that Harden wants D'Antoni. Like, of course, that's the guy. Like, <laughs> I would yeah, love let's, to. Let's just let's shoot as many threes as we <laughs> Yeah, get him beat on the perimeter. And just don't play defense and cherry pick because if we score more than the other team, it does not <laughs> matter how much the other team scores. <laughs> He's not wrong, right? He yeah. I mean, it, may, it makes sense, but like it's Tony's never won anything. He, okay. You know, he's always ask, been, yeah. he's been close, but no cigar multiple okay. times, even like coaching great, great players. I Tony's a very good coach, but yeah, it's just like, of course that's who Harden wants. Like I will not hold you accountable on the defensive side, but I mean, at least that's better than doc. Who's just like, Oh, Doc, what, are the what do you think your team needs to do better in the second half? Because uh, Pascal Siakam's getting to the rim, no problem. And OG Adenobi's wide open for threes, and no one can guard Scotty Barnes. Like, what do you th what do you think you should do, Coach? Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, we just need to play harder, you know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, just, what? What is this? Is this NJB? Get the fuck out Listen, Doc Rivers me off, dude. needs an offensive coordinator, Mike D'Antoni, and a defensive <laughs> coordinator. Who uh, you're better at this than I am? Just pair up like the NFL, right? Jeez Doc, you can just Louise, be the guy that dude. deflects. Just be like the GM, yeah. Some, <laughs> he was a bad GM in LA too. He's just a fucking mess. And I liked. It's not that I dislike Doc. It's just like it's. It happens every. This is your annual re reminder. That, that's why I started. This is your annual reminder that he's overrated. So don't be surprised when he lets you down. Sorry, Philly. He's gonna let all of us down. I'm all in on you guys this year. All right, guys, so here it is. Draft starts this Thursday. So Matt and I thought, you know, the best way to go through the draft here would just be going through our first round mock. Now, prefacing this, this is we we did the mock. We made the agreement that we're not doing trades. We're not saying, OK, so the Steelers are going to pick up or just a trade up to 10 for Malik Willis or any of this stuff here. We just went, this is the order. This is who we would pick if we were the GM of insert team. So that is how our mock draft is going down. I know there's 7,000 million out there on the internet. So just take that into account. We're not doing trades. This is who we would take if we were the GM. If that doesn't mean I think certain players better than the other player in certain instances. So we will go over five at a time, list our picks, and discuss why we had who, where, and why. So enjoy. Buckle up. It's going to be fun. Okay, Matt. So the first five picks here, I'll run through mine. I have Jacksonville taking Kayvon Thibodeau, number one. Number two, I have Aiden Hutchinson going to the Detroit Lions. Number three, I have the Texans taking Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Number four, I have the Jets taking our boy Sauce Gardner. Number four. And then fifth, I have the Giants taking the tackle Evan Neal out of Alabama. I like that. You have a good amount of what I do. Um, okay. A little bit of differences here. Okay. So with my first overall pick in the NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking Gavon Thibodeau. Uh, second overall, Detroit is landing the Michigan kid himself, Aiden Hutchinson. Third, Houston is shoring up that offensive line with Evan Neal. Fourth, okay. the New York Jets are taking, again, Sauce, our boy, the lockdown corner, Gardner. And then fifth, I have another offensive tackle coming off the board, Akeem Aguanu uh, from North Carolina State for the Giants at five. Nice, nice. 
Yeah, so we both were on the tackles there uh, for the Giants. So th- this was my thought pattern behind Stingley. Uh, they have a lot of needs. It was funny on the draft simulator on PFF. It's just at every position, which which is real. <laughs> it's true, um, yeah. So for some of these teams here, like specifically Houston, I think they want to be bad again because we're gonna have and we've I've said this five hundred times on here, but we have C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young and Caleb Williams. So those are three guaranteed really good quarterbacks. And I guarantee we get another one or two. So you're looking at a guaranteed three, possibly five NFL ready quarterbacks next year. So I think they want to do bad. And how do you do bad, but still continue to progress? In my opinion, load up that defense more to come on Houston there. But that's why I took uh, Stingley there. Number three. I love it. Houston could have taken anyone here. Anybody. And it, would have, anybody. It, it would have been a good pick. They're going to um, shake the draft. They're going to be the ones that set the tone. No doubt about it. They take Stingley. That's that's a huge pick right there off the board three. Well, so I thought about Stingley here. Um, and I thought exactly what you did. They're going to be bad. They want to be bad. My big thing is, I think they might actually believe that Davis Mills can be the guy. I feel you. I feel you. You can't tell if he's the guy with no offensive line. So you get that left tackle or right tackle, wherever they choose to place him, right? Because they do have the kid from Miami still um, on this team um, from Michigan. What's his name? What is that left tackle's name that Miami Miami traded to them? Oh, Tunsil. So they've got Tunsil at left tackle. Yeah. You add Evan Neal, right? You can play him inside the guard position or move him out to right tackle. You at least know then, hey, we can give Davis the opportunity to showcase any of his talents. And if he's bad... Perfect. We draft a new quarterback and he's got an offensive line to play behind. But Stingley's an absolute dynamite playmaker. I just think when you're either going to find out if your quarterback is good or draft a new quarterback, <laughs> what better than to bring him into an offensive line that's set, right? So again, no I pick is you. wrong there. Really no I pick is you. wrong. Pick six through 10. We've got the Carolina Panthers taking Kenny Pickett. At seven, I've got the Giants taking the potential number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. At eight, I have the Atlanta Falcons taking Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. At nine, I've got Seattle taking Charles Cross to tackle. And then 10, second receiver off the board, Jets are taking Drake London, USC. I love it, man. We're very similar here, but very different. Uh, Coming in at number six (laughs) overall, the Carolina Panthers are selecting their quarterback of the future, Malik Willis. Number seven, the New York Giants are taking Derek Stingley Jr. What a name. Uh, Eighth overall, the Atlanta Falcons are filling that wide receiver hole in a different name here. I've got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Okay. Number nine, I have the Seahawks shoring up their offensive line with Charles Krause from Mississippi State. And then number 10, the Jets are getting Trayvon Walker, the potential first overall pick. Okay, so let's just go straight uh, straight to Atlanta there. Why Wilson over Williams? Injury risk on top of Calvin Calvin Ridley's um, like just up in the air concern, right? I think right. if you're going to take a guy at number eight, you got to know that he's going to play and you're not going to have issues because look at Ridley. Julio's gone. You got to trust that pick. And I just think Jamison, while being, yes, the most explosive, explosive player in this draft, Wilson's safer. There's no question about that. Wilson is safer. I think you take it eight, the safe pick. I don't disagree with the safe pick. I think that they're just going to look for that immediate Calvin Ridley replacement. And the other reason why I think Williams uh, is almost a safer pick in my eyes is you can allow him as much time as you want. To, to to rest, to come back. There's no pressure on either one of them, but there's really no pressure on him by a contender 
that like, hey, bro, we need you back by week seven. If it's week 13, week 14 for him, no big deal because going back to what I've been talking they about with be Houston bad. and these teams, yeah. you, this is a team that needs to be bad. This is a team, in my opinion, if they if they draft Willis or Pickett and they draft a quarterback here, I think it's a mistake. I think this is a team that needs to tank. Well, and just a stat that doesn't matter. The Falcons love Alabama wide receivers. Love them, right? You look at Julio, you look at Ridley, you know, Williams is also a Alabama wide receiver. Maybe that's something. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's coincidence, but I hear you. All right, Matt, moving on to picks 11 through 15. So for the Washington, what are the, they're not the football team. Washington, what? Commanders. Guardians. Oh, the, oh, the guard, that's Cleveland Guardians. Washington Commanders. I have them taking the steal of the draft, in my opinion. I couldn't believe I didn't put this guy top 10. Kyle Hamilton. Uh, Vikings, I have uh, taking the tackle. Iken Conwu. Uh, Texans, see, this is why I had them taking Stingley. I have them taking McDuffie here, here at 13. Ravens taking George Karloftis and the Eagles taking Dakota Dean. Love it, man. We have some differences here. We have the same at 11, though. So with the 11th overall pick, I have the Washington Commanders taking Kyle Hamilton, safety, Notre Dame. At 12, the Minnesota Vikings selecting Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington, 13th, the Houston Texans taking the linebacker, Devin Lloyd, out of Utah. Mm, 14th overall, Baltimore Ravens selecting our boy, possibly the steal of the draft, Jermaine Johnson, edge, Florida State. Yeah, hell yeah. 15, I have the Philadelphia Eagles taking Jameson Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. Dang, dude. I've seen Johnson going way later in mocks, which I'm Mm -hmm. hoping so, and I have him Mm -hmm. going a little later on my list here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought McDuffie for the Vikings there as well, but I think they're, I don't know. I was kind of just balancing out the roster. I thought the tackle would be a bigger need. I could see them even reaching for a receiver, but so yeah, question for you, because I only have one team with multiple picks taking the same position player and I will get to that later, but you have Houston taking two cornerbacks. How do you feel from like the general manager seat, knowing that a, your cornerback solution is taken care of for the next foreseeable future, but B Passing up on some of the other edges that we have here, right, some of the other yeah. D tackles. What are your thoughts on two top end corners over maybe say a top end corner in another position? So once again, this is going on the trend that I just want these bad teams to play bad. Um, I also kind of was on the same mindset as you, not as much, but you know, let's give Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks, and all these guys the chance on offense. And when it comes to the edge, um, I, you know, usually there's one or two good edge rushers, Matt, and like, n- there's no way the Houston Texans don't have a top 10 pick next year. So I figured just getting, honestly, in my opinion, two of the top three cornerbacks in this draft, one guarantee two most likely to be a successful corner. You got to guard the pass in the NFL. I think corner is arguably a top three, most valuable position in all of football right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think that would be a great fit. Um, kind of just spoiling it for later, I do have Detroit taking two edges in this draft. I think with the idea of defending the pass, being the quarterback uh, cornerback position, same thing with the edge. If you can rush the quarterback, you're successful. So I like both profiles for those teams. Uh, I really like Devin Lloyd. I think losing Cunningham when they cut him this year for me was like, okay, they need to bring in a linebacker that can run that defense. Yeah, And, you know, I'm playing this more as like, we're going to be bad th- for three or four years. And let's build the foundational pieces. But again, 
Houston in this draft, you can't really do anything wrong. Like McDuffie and Stingley love it. Well, right? you can miss. You can't you can miss. miss but right? It's hard, like, right? Two top 13s. Like uh, we love these guys in the top 15. Like it's going to be hard right. to miss, but you could. You could miss like that. That's that's the scary thing, right? Like you could take a D tackle who doesn't pan out. Kyle Hamilton could, could be a bust. I saw him going at Houston for some of these draft, um, some of these mocks. Like you do never. We let's be honest, we don't really know. Like you know, we, we think we do, yeah. but we don't. Yeah. Um. First five that we didn't take a, a wide receiver to. By the way, uh, Next, I did have I did have Williams at fifteen. Oh, for the that's Eagles. right. That's right. But, that's right. You know, like again, he's and this this is I think the variable of the draft. He is the guy. He could go. I had him all the way in my first original mock that I had to scrap at four to the Jets, and I yeah. had to say I can't do that. You know what I mean? I was like, I I can't. I I they love the pick. Because them being in on Tyreek, I was like, well, here they go, right? Like, you know, we right. want the guy, get the guy. But at four, I was like, you're better trading down, and we're not doing that. So love him with the Eagles, though. Pick 16 through 20. I've got the Saints taking Garrett Wilson right there. Um, I think he's going to be a good fit. I have the Chargers taking his Ohio State teammate, Chris Olave. I've got Philly taking Andrew Booth Jr., our third corner off the board. The Saints taking Bernard Rainman at tackle. And then 20, the Steelers there with uh, Malik Willis going at quarterback. I love it. Yeah, some wide receivers off the board finally. Uh, coming in at 16, the New Orleans Saints, I have them taking Chris Alave. So similar position for me and you. Yep. Uh, 17, I have the Los Angeles Chargers taking Jordan Davis, the freak of nature with his size nice. and speed. I like that. Love it. Love what that would do with their their new acquisitions as well. Uh, 18, I have the Philadelphia Eagles taking Nicobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia, freak athlete. I like that a lot too. And 19, we have our first snipe of the draft. The New Orleans Saints (laughs) looking for the future of their quarterback, taking Kenny Pickett, a pick before the Steelers. (laughs) Wow. Sniped them. (laughs) Steelers now at 20 coming in pissed off, frantically deciding what they're going to do, taking uh, (laughs) Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman from Georgia. They do have their possible Hall of Fame defensive tackle there. Uh, I think it's Hamilton for the Steelers. So he's getting older. They do need to replace that. So that is my pick. Yeah, it's Cam Hayward. But why um, Why the Saints taking it, taking a quarterback there with Jameis? I think the real concept here comes down to money. We've talked about this a lot. If Jameis performs really, really well, which I don't think he will. He's going to be a middle-of-the-road quarterback there. He's still going to command money with a long-term deal. And I think the way this team wants to operate now is from a perspective of, okay, we've got our defense set. Let's invest in the rookie quarterback, the 24-year-old that has a pro, pro-ready pro approach. And as long as he's moderately decent, we're going to be a good team. That way you don't have to spend the $26, $27, 28000000 on Jameis. So this was a financial pick for me, knowing that Kenny Pickett's going to be He's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Okay. I, I like your reasoning. Um, the reason why I think it's actually a perfect fit for the Steelers to take a quarterback, whether it's Willis in this example or Willis or Pickett, honestly, is because unlike the other teams, I don't think there's going to be a way with that roster that they lose enough to get in on the quarterback action next year. So as of like all these teams that need a quarterback, I think the only team in the NFL draft this year that's actually buying for a quarterback that really needs one is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's why I think Willis or Pickett there at 20, or if they do end up trading up, just I think if I had to bet on something, it would be the, the Steelers taking a quarterback first round. 
Yeah, and I agree. And, and at 20, without, you know, Desmond Ritter was an option for me at 20, but I really believe that Pittsburgh's looking at a Pickett or Willis. I felt like, hey, they may just have to scramble and they may not be as confident in the Ritter selection if they love other quarterbacks, where they might say to themselves, okay, let's take an, an absolute need on the team and we'll reassess, we'll move up, right? We may, we may trade second and third round picks to get back into this first round at the end to get that fifth year option. I also think it's going to be really interesting any of these teams that miss out on quarterbacks, if they go higher than expected, you could finally see that Jordan Love trade actually happen. Um, I'm looking just at the New Orleans Saints right here in, in general. If they're able to grab a wide receiver at 16, they may be more willing to move Michael Thomas. And a Michael Thomas-Jordan Love package I think would be really cool. That's, again, just a homer pick, a Packer fan here. <laughs> just kind of throw in some possible trades yeah. out there. Um, but it will be interesting. A team that wants a quarterback is going to have to settle for something else in this first round because I no do doubt. think even with our mocks, I only have two quarterbacks taken in the first round, but the reality Same. is that's, that's not, it's not going to be the truth. All right, Matt. So for picks 21 through 25, we got our Packers picks here. Um, 21 or 22. If these guys pass on this guy, I'm going to be upset at either team, honestly. Uh, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas going to the Patriots at 21. The Packers taking George Pickens out of uh, Georgia at 22. The Cardinals taking Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. Dallas taking Jordan Davis. I have him dropping all the way to 24, so uh, I think Dallas pounces right there. And then 25, the pick of our podcast, Brees Hall to Buffalo to transcend them to Let's Super go. Bowl glory. <laughs> I love it, Matt. The Brees Hall pick, just to kick this off for me, I'm going to go, you know, it's Brees Hall right off the bat. The Bills are taking Brees Hall at 25. But let's start <laughs> off at 21 with New England. New England replacing J.C. Jackson at the cornerback position. They will be selecting Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback from Clemson. Love leaving it. 22 overall, the Green Bay Packers get their wide receiver, Traylon Burks, out of it's Arkansas. We love it. And then we have yeah. our first massive faller on my mock draft. 23 overall, the Arizona Cardinals select somehow Drake London, big body wide receiver from USC. 24, the Dallas Cowboys are going to shore up that offensive line after the last couple of off seasons. They've lost yep. a few guys. They get Zion Johnson, offensive lineman, Boston College. And then the aforementioned 25th overall pick, best pick of the draft. The Buffalo Hell Bills yeah. are selecting Brees Hall. Dude, I mean... If you guys have been listening to us basically since college last year, uh, Brees Hall's our guy. We both think Buffalo, yeah, it's not the biggest need, but if they can get a game changer like that, I think it changes their team. We both think it cha both think it changes their team. Um, this is where everyone has Traylon Burks going as well, Matt. You and I are I, apparently higher than everybody on him. Uh, we both ranked him number one for reasons if you look at the tape we're into him he's athletic yeah he didn't test out great but the film doesn't lie I, we both are big fans obviously if our green bay packers can get him and a guy like darren waller we're looking great right um i still like pickens we had our likes we had our dislikes he has a ton of upside but he can, he's coming off an injury as well which is obviously concerning yeah, and Pickens, we'll talk about him in a little bit later for my mock draft here. Um, all of the reasons why you just said, uh, Burks, if he's there at 22, I'm taking him. And again, you said it, not everybody's as high as Burks as, as you and I are. The tape speaks for itself for me. The kid is an absolute monster. And honestly, it's an older version of what wide receivers were in this league. You look at a lot of the guys like Chris Olave and Wilson. That's the new age wide receiver. Smaller, a little bit faster, quicker. 
Burks has got the speed. He's got the agility. He's got the size. I love that there. But the Andrew Booth pick, I think, here, New England has to avoid taking an offensive piece with that pick. They've got to sure up that secondary. Um, Whether it's Booth or it's the kid from Auburn that we did our our, uh, draft series on, I love both of those kids. Zion Johnson, Dallas, they got to get an interior offensive lineman. You cannot lose the guys that they've lost over the last couple of years and not sure up that position. But I want to talk about Drake London a little bit here. Um, I have him falling because of the lack of speed. Great receiver, possession receiver, you know, jump to catch receiver. But I think with Kyler Murray, he might finally have that pairing with him and DeAndre Hopkins where he's comfortable with throwing to either side without question. And I think that would be really, really big for the Cardinals. I just don't see London really falling this far in Neither the reality of the draft. But when I ran through each team, I thought about London. And I said, you know what? Just not the fit. Just not the fit. I kept saying that over and over and over. And it was surprising to see finally at 23. It was like, okay, I think this could work. Now Pickens is a little faster, has a little more athleticism across field to field. But London, I think, could be nice there. Yeah, and I get why you say that, but that's why I took him at 10. That's why I took him with the Jets, because I think if the Jets are in the wide receiver game, which it seems like they are, I think London's the perfect fit because they have guys like Elijah Moore, right? They have a lot of those smaller body receivers where... Yes, yeah, Arios. London didn't test. Yeah, exactly. They, London yeah. didn't test out great in his 40 and on tape. You could see him get caught. It doesn't matter because they don't have a real big athletic threat on that team whatsoever. It might be one of the last missing pieces for them. So that's why I have him at 10. But I agree with you when you come to like, it's not a fit, not a fit for Philly, in my opinion. Yep. Or the Saints. Yep. Even the Packers is a stretch, to be honest yep. with you. You're right, though. Um, 10, even though 10 I is like that him. spot. But 10 is, to me, 10 was too early. It was like, let me just scroll up here real quick. Yeah, but he's not going to be there round two. That's, that's, no, I, I, no, I, I no, get no. it. But I that's agree. if they I need agree. their big body guy, because there's not too many big body guys. You know, we went through the list. There's only a handful, you know. So here's the next the question, one is Watson, though. you know, and that guy, we, we don't like him. Let's just, let's just use my mock for a minute here, okay? Trayvon Walker is who I have the Jets taking at 10. If you're a GM of the Jets right now, the upside of Walker, right, exploded at the combine. I mean, he was a 9.9 out of 10 on the athleticism right. scale, which I'm new to. I didn't even know it was a thing. Like this, He's <laughs> like the best defensive lineman in the last 20 years or two on that list. It's incredible. Um, right. Would you rather have the upside of Walker, game-changing defender, or London, who might be a bust, might be Mike Evans? What would you rather have as a GM? No, I, I, I feel you, Hal. I feel you. It, that that is the only reason I was like, if Trayvon Walker falls to ten, I can't. I'm crazy to take London. I'm crazy. Yeah, I, I just right? double checked to see like where did I have him? Like he was gone. I was like, okay, gone. I think feel a little yeah, better because you seven. are right. Yeah. yeah, I had him at seven. You're because you are right. Like you don't just pass up. I I had a couple of the guys here um, as best pick available. Like even Kyle Williams at eleven. Washington doesn't really need him, right? Okay, for the last section of the draft here, I have the Tennessee Titans taking Devin Lloyd, Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Devontae Wyatt. I have the Packers on their second pick, Matt, taking our guy, Jermaine Johnson. And then at 29 and 30, I have Kansas City because they have the 29th and 30th pick. I have them taking Sky Moore and Daxton Hill, Cincinnati Zion Johnson, and the Detroit Lions taking Leo Chennault. Linebacker from Wisconsin. Listen, if the Packers get Johnson, I will take an EO from work 
which means I get so, to leave early. So this this is what I did, Matt. Is I, I made sure we got let down that uh, Traylon Burks, you know, stolen right away from us, ripped from our hearts, <laughs> just so I didn't fully homer the Packer picks too bad on here. <laughs> well, and honestly, man, I, I would have taken Burks if there was a fit. You know, like I love your 21st overall to New England. I love it. But I truly believe that Bill Belichick isn't the same kind of GM as these other guys. I feel where he you. sees the shiny toy. He's going to take the guy that shores up his defense, you know, gets a third round wide receiver for Mac Jones, who's going right. to be average. Because <laughs> that's just Ben Bill's MO, right? They they took right. the kid from Arizona State uh, that's been kind of a the bust for that team. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think he's, I think he's kind of like you know Packers GMs of old, Ted Thompson's, where it's like screw it, we'll find the scrapyard wide receivers, which I don't like, but it's been his mo. Right. So kicking off, twenty six overall Tennessee Titans. I have them taking uh, Green, the offensive lineman from Texas A and M. Kenyon Green, I think, is a great talent there. Twenty seventh overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking Tyler Lindblom. From Iowa, the center, I expect them to move him to guard since they do have a Pro, pro Bowl-level center there. 28th overall, the Packers are getting their right tackle. They're taking Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Then we have two of the Kansas City picks. At 29, I have them taking Bernard uh, Raymond, Central Michigan, offensive lineman. And then 30th overall, I have them grabbing George Pickens from Georgia wide receiver. There you go. Love it. So that's a great pick for Kansas City. Cincinnati yep. Bengals, 35th, 31st overall, going in with Boy Mafi from Minnesota, defensive lineman. They did lose a defensive lineman, so I think they'll, they'll draft a kid, especially with the offensive linemen that are left. Not much there. And then 32nd overall, the Detroit Lions taking George Karlothlis from Purdue Edge. Uh, this is the, again, aforementioned second edge player the lions have taken they were able to get hutchinson i think if you pair two edges together especially like dan that. campbell bring the heat because you're gonna be bad get that quarterback next season just build that defensive line so that when that quarterback steps in he has an opportunity to win by you know 21 14 games because right now the lions defense does not have a pass rush no i like that i mean why not right you get that's my thing with the texans right Load up on defense. I did the same thing with the Lions. I had a linebacker there. Like, what? why draft offense? Who cares? Right? You have yeah. St. Brown. You have Swift. You'll be all right. You know, those guys will get their stats. Hawkinson, right? Like, you, you'll be all right. Um, Just lose one more time because all you do is put a top 15, top 10 quarterback with that roster. They're not half bad, you know? Honestly. Who did you, who did you have at 31 for Cincinnati? I I took uh, Zion Johnson. I had him falling down there. Okay, I like that. They Be, because uh, Jerry will take the shiny new toy. <laughs> he always um, does, doesn't he? Yeah, at twenty four. If Jordan in my mock, Jordan Davis drops that far, I just don't see a guy like Jerry passing. Well, and th this is the issue. If I'm man, Jerry, like, I'm not passing. <laughs> I texted you after doing this list, and I I am really happy with what I did for a mock. I'm sure you are too. Uh, and it won't Hell we won't yeah. even be we probably won't even be fifty percent right with these guys because again it's we like drafted March based Madness. on who we would take too though you know like yeah, who we yeah, would yeah. take. Um, and that end of the draft after that Packers pick at twenty eight is it here? Oh. Um, yeah, twenty two, twenty eight, like. I love all the guys above this. You know, Trevor Penning, I'm happy with that. Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, love the guy. Kenyon Green, think he's going to be good. Brees Hall, Zion Johnson, Drake London, all these guys are good. After 28, Kansas City having to take uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan, not sold on him. George Pickens, I like him, but you know, like all the other top end talent for wide receivers gone. 
And then with Cincinnati at 31, I had already had all the good offensive linemen taken. It's right. kind of like if this shakes out anything like what this draft is, they're going to have to trade up because they absolutely need to get Linderbaum, Green, or Johnson. They have to. They're, this isn't even into, like they have to go and shore up <laughs> that final spot of the offensive line yeah. because then they go into next year solidified. But right now they've got holes. Let's talk real quick before we wrap our football here. We've, yeah. you know, we spoke on the phone today about Green Bay in in Las Vegas, kind of in talks with Darren Waller. Right. You know, you've kind of educated me on what actually happened with the Devontae trade. Uh, talk to me a little bit again about like why we couldn't include Waller in that deal. And then what do you think is required to get Waller if a trade is made before Thursday for Green Bay? Right. And and shout out, Matt, our guy Aaron Nagler broke the news cheesehead tv was the exclusive source had the exclusive source for that entire story so shout out he's got it dude he's big time now like you get an exclusive yeah that that's our guy um yeah if you're a diehard packer fan and you don't follow cheesehead tv they're they they have good shit we've uh i've been following nagler for shit i don't know it's five years a long time he's good um, going back to your question, Matt. So Darren Waller, basically in the in the trade for Devontae Adams, allegedly uh, the Packers wanted to include Waller in that deal. But when you trade a franchise tagged player, you can't allow or the NFL has some rule where you cannot include another player in the trade. Now, the details into that. I have no idea how that works. I don't know. I mean, if I'm the Packers, I would trade my second round, one of them for him, 100%. You know, so but hear then, me out so here. you trade Waller in a first round, or, or sorry, you get Waller a first, Waller in a first for Devontae. Like, I guess that's a fair trade. Yeah. And, and I thought about it after we got off the phone today. And I said, hmm, okay. So if we, if we did a gentleman's agreement, which me and you talked about, right? Like Packers, Raiders, GMs talk, and they're like, okay, well, we want Waller, but we can't do it because of league rules. All right, so why don't you give us a second round pick? And what we'll do is we'll give you that second round pick right back, and you're going to give us Waller. That way we get, like you said, the first round pick and Waller, and you get Devontae. I right. would be really interested to see if that's going to shake down. I think if that were the gentleman's agreement, we would have already have saw it done. So maybe now after the Tyreek Hill trade, the Packers That's saying, why it's coming out, yeah. Well, hey, like Tyreek got this much. Like we know we promised you that second round pick back, but like – now, when we got to look at the lens of this trade, like all we can really offer you is like a fourth and a six or a third and a seventh. Like, you know, we can't really give up that second round pick. So it'll be interesting to see if this trade A happens before Thursday and then what the compensation would be in that deal. But I think it completely changes the Devontae Adams trade. You know, Hell you're yeah. looking at it now like, damn, if you can take Trayvon Burks and you get Darren Waller for Devontae Adams, done. I do that in a heartbeat with the situation that Devontae presented to the Packers. No questions asked. That's a win-win trade for both sides. Devontae's happy. It's a win-win-win in the Michael Scott book, you know? Um, <laughs> we got to shout out to Michael Scott here at the office. But uh, it'll be interesting to see that play out. Well, everyone, we'll see you on Thursday. As always, look for our clips. We're going to clip all this stuff so you can see it on our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pod. We'll be back Thursday with another episode. Enjoy the playoffs.